Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Phil Muscatello and Finpods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watchlist. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Chris Batchelor, and we're talking Nick Scarley, ASX code NCK. How's it going, Chris? You're into furniture today. Very well, thanks, Phil. Yes, great business this one. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Okay, well, most people know about Nick Scarley, but just uh, give us a bit of a more of an in-depth look into the Nick Scarley operations. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, of course, most people would have seen the stores, the furniture stores. They operate across Australia as well as in New Zealand. What people may not also realise is that the plush furniture store is also actually owned by Nick Scarley. So if you go into what appears to be their competitor down the road, you're still supporting the same store. Now, Nick Scarley is a business that's been around for a long time, 50 years indeed, in fact, more than 50 years, and was founded by the Scarley family. And it's today run by Anthony Scarley. They floated the business back in 2004, and they raised $40 million in capital back then, almost 20 years ago. They've never raised any equity capital since. That stat alone tells you that this is a great business. They've been able to self-fund their growth over 20 years, and they are now a very sizable business in the order of 900 million market capitalization. I've got to say that's a very Italian way of approaching a company's growth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what they do, and they, they do it very well, is they reinvest around 40 to 50% of their earnings into the business and they put that towards growth and then they pay out solid dividends as well. If you were to invest 10 grand in the IPO back in 2004 and retain that money in the business, you'd now be looking at in the order of $150,000 in profits over that period of time. So that's a really solid return. That's a way that people can generate serious amounts of wealth by long-term patience, finding a really good company and and just sticking with it for a long period of time. And I should say up front that I am one of those shareholders, not from 2004, but I have had it for seven or eight years now and retain it and tend to retain it for some time. Uh, So yeah, that's a way to really accumulate significant amounts of wealth is just to have that patience and align yourself with a really good business. And Anthony Scarley has been a, a great steward of the company for quite a while now. When did he actually take over? Oh, you're stretching my memory there. Been there for a while though, hasn't he? Yeah. For a while indeed, yeah. As um, long as I've been yeah. following it at least. <laughs> we were talking about it on another podcast episode and I think he was used as an example of a great allocator of capital. Yeah, I think that's a, a very fair comment. As, as I mentioned they haven't had to raise any capital. They've run completely on retained earnings. They do use some debt, but they manage that quite conservatively. They also different into many retailers in that they own 
a lot, not all, but a significant number of properties and operate out of those properties that they own. And so they they fund a lot of their growth by buying properties and they'll use debt to buy those properties, but again, conservatively managed against their balance sheet. And they'll use those for stores as well as for distribution centers. So they suffered from problems with uh, supply chain constraints during um, the COVID um, incidents over the last few years. Has they Have they benefiting now from the easing of those constraints? Yes, they are. Yes, like um, most businesses, particularly sort of importing businesses, then they were impacted by that. But those um, constraints have uh, eased right up now and the freight costs have come right down. And we saw a really strong uptick in their gross margins in the most recent results. They turned in gross margins of 63.5%, which is really, really good. And a lot of that also came from Plush. When they acquired Plush, the gross margins were around the 50% mark. They're now in the low 60s, um, so in line with the the broader Nick Scarly business. And it seems to be very well handled, that acquisition of Plush. You know, we we all know those horror stories of uh, acquisitions going wrong, but this one has been handled pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. You you generally get nervous when companies start acquiring other businesses, but this one has added significant value to Nick Scarly shareholders. They stripped out a lot of the costs and were able to really gain a lot of synergy benefits from the acquisition. As I mentioned, they've brought the gross margin up from circa 50% into like 62%. They've got the business really humming quite well and they're managing to pay down the debt that they borrowed to make that acquisition at a really rapid rate. So it it has been a very successful acquisition. Do you know the actual number of stores that um, added to the, the stable? I do have that number, yes. It was 45. So let's have a look at the company report this financial year. How does that look from uh, your analyst lens? I mean, the report itself was pretty positive. You know, they grew revenue, they grew profits. There wasn't much to to be concerned about with it. The only concern really was around the commentary. So the commentary was along the lines of the outlook is not so good. Concern around softening of consumer demand, uh, particularly as interest rate rises start to bite. And so that was why the share price did come off a bit, but it's down a bit, but it, it has remained at pretty solid levels. The forecasts for next year are for revenue to decline and for profits to decline. At, at their recent AGM, they said they were expecting profits to be in the range of 40 to 42 million. That's down from sort of the like about 50 million in the prior year. So, you know, a significant decline. You know, that's obviously a negative, but over the long run, they've been through these types of cycles before. Um, it's not something I would be getting alarmed about. It's just something that you, when you're investing in this type of business, that's highly exposed to the property cycle in particular, as well as the economy more broadly, then you are going to get fluctuations at different points in time. And you just want a business that's solid and you, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll drop a bit in sales, but they'll get through it and come out the other side. Do you think they're just being conservative in their commentary, just um, to take into, you know, to, so that they, you know, they're prepared and won't be surprised in the possibility that this might happen sometime in the near future? I do think that they, they are historically quite conservative in in their comments, 
And I think this is another case of, of that. They always tend to err on the side of caution. I do note too that it's the market, the analysts in the market are quite conservative in their forecasts. I would argue perhaps a tad too conservative. So there's potential upside. Of course, there's potential downside as well, but um, I do think they tend to lean on the side of caution. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Are you picking shares on gut instinct, buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com sfb. There's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's y.stockopedia.com sfb. So let's have a look at um, the Stockopedia rankings. You've got uh, this stock right up there at 99, just about as high as you can go. And even the value score is pretty good and the momentum score is pretty good. Well, let's let's just break those down a bit. I mean, firstly, quality is 95. Um, I've described some of the characteristics of this business, why it's such a high quality business, growing gross margins, low levels of debt, strong cash flow, strong reinvestment, strong returns on equity and uh, operating margins. So all that very positive. Now, if we look at value, it's not a particularly expensive business. It's not dirt cheap, but a forward PE ratio of around 12, that's, you know, Good businesses tend to trade around 15, so 12 is discounted. And dividend yield, 5.3% forecast, fully franked, very, very healthy. Then if if we look at the momentum, well, you can see if you look at a share price chart, they were quite low around the middle of the year. When I say quite low, around 850 sort of mark, whereas now they're around the $11 sort of mark. So there's been some solid growth in that regard. And even uh, analysts' expectations, they they tapered right off in the early half of the year, but they've now just started to tick up a bit. And so you know, analysts are starting to feel a bit more optimism as to the outlook. So what's the history of dividend yields been like? Uh, very strong. They've always paid a really solid dividend. And um, just the dividend alone provides a really solid return on your investment. In fact, looking at my personal investment in this company, the dividend has been the biggest component of my return. And that's despite the fact that I bought below $4. On the Stockopedia page, there's a a lot of metrics shown. And one is the bankruptcy risk score. And it's showing Nick Scarley at the lower end of the green part of this scale. 
How close is it to being a bankruptcy risk and what does this score show in general? First thing to highlight there is it, it is in the safe zone and it's actually, whilst it looks like it's at the lower end, it, if once you're in the safe zone, you're pretty much safe. Nothing, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> there's, a, there's only one. It looks like on the scale of it, it looks like oh, it's right down there, but like safe, yeah. it's pretty safe from one end to the other. Is that the case? Yeah, that's right. So I mean, they do have debt on their balance sheet. They're not debt free, so that that's contributing to that. So this is actually a measure that was developed by a professor called Professor Altman, and it's known as the Altman Z score. It measures the risk of a company going bankrupt within the next two years. And it basically processes a bunch of ratios and comes up with a number. And if that number's below a certain threshold, then there's a higher risk of bankruptcy. And that's where you see the, the red distress zone. The cautious zone is where things are, you know, are, are a bit concerning, but not necessarily a problem. And safe is basically safe with that qualifier, of course, in, in place. So yeah, not something I would be worried about. But the reason it's down that end is it's it's not a debt-free business. It does have a reasonable amount of debt on its balance sheet. So let's talk about the risk. Um, apart from any decline in consumer discretionary spending, are there any other risks that you can see on the horizon for Nick Scully? Uh, yeah, well, the obvious one, as you point out, is consumer spending, which is tied to the property cycle. And of course, we all know that interest rates have gone up. Um, a lot of the commentary at the moment is that property prices may have peaked and that maybe next year we'll see a bit of a decline. I mean, we'll see if that actually happens or not. But it does appear that also the renovation market is a bit soft at the moment. And when do people buy furniture? Typically, it's when they're um, either improving or buying a new house. So, yeah. The, improving the, or moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so they will be impacted by that, and and the risk is that you know that is more pronounced than than anticipated. The other thing to be mindful of, I wouldn't call it a major risk, but just something to be aware of, is the Nick Scarly family. Or sorry, the Scarly family, of who Nick was the founding the founder of the business. Uh, they have been selling down their stake, and just last month they recently sold quite a large chunk of shares, 4.6 million shares. And that took their stake down from, I think it was about 11% down to 8%. Um, of course, they said, we're not intending to sell anymore in the medium term, which is kind of what families, start. when founders sell, they always make a comment of that nature. But um, yeah, that's just something to note. They They previously held a much bigger holding. And so if you look back over the last five or so years, they have gradually been reducing the amount of stock they own in the business, and their reasoning was to diversify their family's interests, which is kind of fair enough. But nevertheless, as such an integral part of the business, it is something to be aware of if, if they are slowly moving themselves away from the business. Not away, but you know, reducing their exposure to it. I'd be really interested to see if they do that Italian thing where they um, their furniture's covered in plastic and no one's allowed to sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've never been into their home, but... <laughs> oh, that's a very common Italian thing, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, any closing thoughts on Nick Scully, Chris? Yeah, just one thing it should be mentioned. At their AGM just a couple of weeks ago, they did point out that foot traffic has been down in their stores in the, over the first quarter in, by around 10 to 15%, although the conversion rates were a bit higher than typically experienced. So like-for-like like sales were down 
5.7% and total sales were down 5.4%. So this clearly is a softening um, happening at the moment. And you know, as we've alluded to, there probably will be a decline in their revenues and profits in, in the coming year. That's not something that concerns me in the big picture, but nevertheless, in the short term, something to be conscious of. Okay, Chris Batchelor, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks, Phil. It was great to be involved. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. 